Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Did you know, on average, heating your home makes up 82% of your energy bill? Installing a smart thermostat could save you a lot of money and be good for the planet. Honeywell Home have been making the home smarter and more comfortable for over 100 years, and their trusted smart thermostats help you get control wherever you are. And because they work with Google and Alexa, you can simply change the heating with your voice. Installing a smart thermostat doesn't have to be confusing or time-consuming, so why not visit getconnected.honeywellhome.com to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Pocket Lint Podcast, sponsored by Honeywell Home by Residio, making the smart home simpler. In recent years, the world's biggest comic convention in San Diego has become a way for big Hollywood studios to detail what they've got in store. That means a flood of trailers, loads of sneak peeks at the biggest new shows, plus star-studded panels where they detail and tease all the information for everybody to get excited about. And Pocket Lint Senior Editor of News and Features, Rick Henderson, is joining me to discuss all the big announcements from the next steps in the Marvel Universe, yes, there are more to come to Star Trek Picard as a Trekkie. Very excited about that one. Later on in the podcast, I talked to Rhys Morgan, the Director of Engineering and Education at the Royal Academy of Engineering here in the UK, about how the Academy is working to get more people involved in engineering. And editor Chris Hall tells me his top three electric cars to drive at the moment. So, Rick, let's come back to you. We'll start with Marvel. That's probably the biggest announcements that were coming out of the show. What were they? What's happening next? Marvel was possibly, yeah, the biggest thing at the at San Diego Comic-Con, mainly because it announced its whole Phase 4 plans. And the surprising part about that is most of the things on its timeline for Phase 4 are actually TV shows planned for Disney+, Plus, the new streaming service coming later this year. Now, of those, there were, there were several different shows that we have heard about before, WandaVision and a couple of others. Um, but... I think they overshadowed the movies, which was quite unique for a Marvel um, timeline because normally we're used to the whole build-up to an Avengers film, but of course that's all finished. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Not to say that there won't be any Avengers. There is one coming. There's Thor, Love and Thunder, which is um, an actual Thor (laughs) sequel, even though people thought that Chris Helmsworth had actually retired. Um, Well, he has. In many respects, he will be in it, but we get treated to a brand new Thor in the um, and Natalie Portman takes up the hammer as Lady Thor. It's something that comic book fans already know about, but something that will absolutely freak the movie fans. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. So it's it's business as usual for Marvel. Was there any exciting uh, new franchises within the Marvel that we've yet to see? You know, One Division obviously is Wakanda, isn't it? And Black Panther and Thor and stuff like that. Any any new treats for us there? Um, a lot of it was just confirmation that we actually have heard of before. One thing that was actually exciting is that there will be a new movie franchise based on Blade. Now, that I actually loved the original Blade trilogy, specifically the first one, and specifically that opening section in the uh, Vampire Club. Um, and I cannot wait to see a brand new Blade come to our screens. Now, Blade himself has 
has moved on. Wesley Snipes can no longer look as eternal as him, <laughs> 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 considering time has caught up with him. So it's now played by Mahashala Ali, who um, recently could be found in Green Book and The uh, True Detective. Beyond Marvel, let's talk other stuff. Uh, Star Trek Picard. Yeah. That was the next biggest announcement more than anything. Well, it wasn't an announcement. We already knew it was coming to CBS in the US and Amazon Prime Video pretty much everywhere else. Amazon seems to have caught up up with Netflix on this one. Netflix had Discovery, of course, but now Amazon has managed to snag what must be seen as the jewel in the crown of the Star Trek franchise. Um, But what we actually saw at Comic-Con was a a full trailer for the very first time and some surprises. We actually see a return of a lot of the cast. Yeah, Seven of Nine and and Data. There's also a rumour, and he wasn't in the trailer, but it's actually been confirmed, or at least confirmed that he's been on set, was um, is Riker is back as well. Well, Jonathan Frakes, is, uh, he's a big director. He's directed quite a lot. I think he even directed some of the Discovery. Yeah. Look at me, showing my trekkiness here all of a sudden. I think he has directed some, or he's planning to direct some I of think, the Picard well, stuff. He did, three, he did three of the actual movies as well, the Star Trek movies, um, specifically during that sort of like end run before they rebooted it. And so, do you see? Do you see all this? Uh, this, this, there's a lot of content. It feels like there's, you know, there's new trailers for Westworld. There's new Westworld series three. There's Walking Dead movie stuff. There's obviously Top Gun, which everybody was talking about at the beginning of Comic Con. Do you see this as just purely trying to come up with content for the streaming services? We're going to see a massive influx of them coming this September, aren't we? With Apple and Disney and HBO and all these guys kind of launching. Is it just they need more content? Um, absolutely. This Comic Con was almost entirely about streaming services. Um, normally, previous Comic Cons were all sort of movie orientated and telling you what was coming up in the cinema next year. This was much more a Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, and Disney Plus show. There were so many different shows being announced or expanded upon. I mean, even HBO are having a real go at things with Watchmen. And there's a collaboration with the BBC over, I think it's called Dark Histories or something. Oh, I've forgotten the name Dark of it Dark Materials. But, um, yes, that's the one. Um, and they're all coming to streaming platforms, of course, because HBO's streaming platform is very big in the US. So um, we're looking at a, a, a much bigger push with all these streaming services trying to play upman up one upmanship over the cinemas the cinemas themselves seem to be playing second fiddle now to the tv shows in my opinion yeah and you know the the two big movies maybe three big movies for me from the show were the new terminator five eight whatever whatever number we're up to on on that with because linda hamilton's returned on his arnie's back you've got top gun maverick my favourite trailer of the whole show, even though it's got nothing to do with comic books and nothing to do with... And kind of 34 but, years after the, the original, it's a sequel as well, which is crazy. Yeah. And then Cats, which kind of in itself, the three there also, they were either musicals or films that I was watching 30 years ago. So it's it's very it's very weird on that one as well, I think. Cats was definitely a strange one for Comic-Con because it it doesn't really fit in with any of the sort of mantra or the cosplay of Comic-Con itself. Although next year we might see a load of people walking around in cat suits. But the, um, but no, I think the main buzz around that film is that the trailer, when you actually watch it, is horribly scary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's actually because while the CGI is fantastic, having full-length cat bodies with human faces turns out to be the stuff of nightmares. 
But do you think that's really? why? Do you think that's why? I mean, in a way, because I mean, the cast is it's a stellar cast. You've got Tom Hopper, Hooper. I think it's Tom Hooper, isn't it? The amazing director. Tom Hooper, yeah. You know, it, it, but it has to, in attempt to try and battle against the wilds of the internet, you have to be mega polarizing and therefore almost go to this extreme level of crazy just to get noticed amongst, you know, I mean, even the Top Gun Maverick, bringing it back to that, Top Gun Maverick, that is Tom Cruise in a plane doing his own stunts. And he really flies. <laughs> yeah, he really flies you've kind of, you've got to take things to the, to the extreme for the internet to notice because Otherwise, you just come out with, say, oh, it's isn't it, a nice little ditty film that, you know, nothing really happens or whatever. It, it doesn't, nobody talk, you know, you, you talk about it for 10 minutes and then you move on. In all honesty, it, I think um, uh, Avengers Endgame, which has broken all records for revenue, has actually also broken the industry. It has raised the bar so high that people are going to have to do something pretty spectacular to try and catch up. It's, it's set absolutely an incredibly high bar for cinematic releases uh, not just in monetary terms but also critically these films never used to get critically good response they also they all used to be ah yes it's just another superhero film or yes it's another science fiction or or, or, um, effects laden masterpiece but they never got such critical response in terms of story and acting but avengers endgame really Mm. really changed things and that's where i think also tv benefits the streaming services are also raising that bar Things like, you know, the fact that the Marvel superhero um, TV shows aren't on Netflix anymore and they were so incredible that they've all been cancelled because of Disney Plus. Disney Plus is bound to be brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I think, and that's, you know, whatever you take from this, for the, whether you're a comic book fan or not, I think that it's very clear that in the next year and maybe the next 10 years, there is going to be plenty, plenty to watch on your TV. Still to come, Chris tells us his top three electric cars to drive right now. Um, I'm going to cop out a little bit and mention a whole range of different things here, just to be a little bit cheeky, because I think that there there have been some great cars announced in the last year, and the likes of the Jaguar I-Pace and the Audi e-tron are absolutely fantastic cars. When you say engineering to someone, the immediate thought that comes to mind is building giant infrastructure like an airport or an impressive bridge from the 1800s. But engineering can be found in almost every part of our daily lives, whether it's building an app for your phone or engineering the logistics to get food from a farm to our homes, it's there in the background hopefully doing its job. I caught up with Dr. Rhys Morgan, Director of Engineering and Education at the Royal Academy of Engineering here in the UK, during a break from voting on this year's James Dyson Awards, where incidentally we're both judges, to find out what his role entails, how new materials are changing the products of tomorrow, and why plastic isn't as bad as we perhaps think. I started by asking him to explain how the Royal Academy promotes engineering in our schools in the UK. So we are the National Academy of Engineering. So we are a, uh, one of four national academies. So we've got the Royal Society, which is the oldest, most kind of aged, learned society in the world. And we are the younger brother or sister. We're only 50 years old, coming up to 50 years old. And um, we have kind of a few primary aims. Fundamentally, it's um, to promote engineering excellence for the benefit of society. So we'll do that through policy, advice to government, we'll do that through engagements in schools and colleges, universities, and we'll do that with public engagement, you know, doing stuff out in the wide world. 
and lots of work with universities, research, that kind of thing. And do you find that's something that, like, let's say schools, for example, is that a subject that you feel engineering is being well addressed at the moment, or is it, you know, are you losing out to history and French and art, or is it not that clear-cut? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's, I guess it's not that clear-cut. There is no subject called engineering in school, um, but engineering is in mathematics, in science, particularly physics, um, and in design and technology and computing. So we take quite a broad view of what engineering is. So anything from artificial intelligence, software engineering, data analytics, that's all using engineering skills right through to um, infrastructure, bridges, tunnels, skytrains. The sort of Brunel approach of like what you traditionally think is Exactly, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But really anything in the built world, in the designed world, is probably engineered as well. So, you know, from um, uh, pharmaceuticals, medicines, chemical engineers develop those um, through to um, fragrances and um, cosmetics. You know, engineers are working to, you know, mass produce. Um, so it's quite a broad subject. Yeah, it's huge. Now, we're here at the James Dyson Awards. Um, we've been judging this morning. It's quite a lot of... Uh, applicants we've got through and unfortunately we can't tell anybody anything about we can't them. we can't uh, although you can see the the products that we've been trying to to go through on uh, james dyson uh, james dyson awards.org um do you feel there's things more things we could do in schools to make engineering more approachable and better and is that is it, and is it get it at the young level or is there something that we could do now for adults to, to get excited as well? Yeah, totally. Um, and I think, so just starting with schools, um, first thing is to make sure that we have subjects that kind of light the spark of young people. So it's, science is fantastic and it's great to get young people to understand you know, the physical world and things like that. But actually it's applying that knowledge, it's applying the knowledge of science and mathematics and computing to design real kind of solutions for real world problems and that might be as kind of diverse as sustainable development goals um, you know addressing things like future energy uh, shortages or uh, developing sustainable communities through to um, kind of domestic or uh, consumer products um, and design and technology is the subject in schools where that is most readily taught. And do you find that you must obviously see, have access to a lot of you know, industry knowledge and a lot of industry people, those kind of things. Are you seeing a trend at the moment within engineering? Is it, you know, from a technology point of view, things like health are quite big, autonomous cars and stuff. Is there a trend within engineering that you're seeing that is forming in those kind of ways? Yeah, and I would say digital is the, the, the real trend. Um, and across all sorts of different um, sectors and platforms, we're, we're seeing a quite significant trend from. So you don't make kind of hardwired um, cars anymore. What you actually have is a relatively um, straightforward process and you plug a laptop in and you put the new software upgrades in, in, in there. And that's happening in defence sectors, in uh, construction sectors, in all sorts of different places. Um, and everything is just getting more um, uh, kind of automated and more um, data-driven. So there are sensors on buildings and bridges and tunnels now collecting data continuously. And actually that requires huge amounts of data analytics and things like that to understand what's happening, trends, patterns and things like that, so that you can get better information about the structures and 
environment. And do you, is there one that's really caught your eye recently, flavor of the last year or so, you think, wow, actually that, that's really cool. You know, that's a great idea. Uh, one thing that really caught my eye recently was a, um, a presentation on Tempest, which is the new fighter jet that uh, the government's announced that they're going to start developing with various defence companies. And that is almost all going to be kind of software developed. So that um, if new technologies and new kind of things come out over the development of the, the, the new plane, which could be 10 to 15 years, they can just add in new software enhancements right at the very end. So it's not kind of, there's no obsolescence right at the beginning. Uh, and I think that's plagued a lot of kind of long-term developments over the, over the course of history. That seems to mirror quite, quite amazingly the sort of technology that we're seeing in phones and laptops and tablets at the moment where you kind of buy a device, you keep hold of it for a good couple of years now. It used to be you change it every year, then it's kind of you hold it for two years. Now we're seeing with, say, iPhones, for example, people are keeping it for four or five years and just using it and updating it with software to enhance the capabilities of it there. Are you seeing that across across multiple industries? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, uh, that, I mean, there will be kind of new hardware developments as well. There'll be new um, uh, phone capabilities or um, uh, vision system capabilities, cameras, things like that. Um, but actually, a lot of the developments are in the software. And we're really short of software engineers in the UK. Um, and it's a, it's a big focus for us in the academy, but for government and lots of other um, bodies as well to encourage more kids into coding and developing kind of software solutions. Now, I know you talked when we were talking earlier uh, through part of the judging process and stuff, we talked about materials and I know you've got a passion for kind of materials and, and, and things like that. It's, are we likely to see, with the changing, with ever-changing technology that we're seeing, are we likely to see new materials coming in and, and that changing the way that we use our products and our products look Oh, completely, yeah. We're constantly developing new materials. Um, and uh, as we get to understand more um, at the kind of fundamental um, nanoscale level, um, you know, we're always going to be kind of finding new uh, novel materials and new ways of using them. But I think we're, what's really interesting at the moment is the kind of uh, the area between kind of material science and biology and so actually more kind of biomaterials, more biosynthetic materials and things like that. So there's a whole new kind of area called um, uh, synthetic biology, where actually we're you know, developing real kind of engineered solutions for the biomedical sector. Uh, I think that's going to be a really fascinating space in the next 10 to 20 years. That really sort of changed the way that the, the products look and feel or, or act and... Um, yeah, the, the very functionality of them and much kind of closer integration between humans and devices. I think it's really coming down the line quickly. Sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, already, you know, you can get um, devices that will um, improve or augment your sight, your sound, your hearing, your smell, things like that. And I think they're just going to become more ubiquitous. And so going back to the educational part, here, and I know that's one of your main sort of remits within your work, how can we get more people involved in engineering from the sound of it is not just about building bridges and, and things like that, it's a lot more. So how can we get people more involved in engineering or is it a case that they probably are but they just don't realise it? Well I think, that, yeah, I mean one of the problems is engineering is, 
only really comes into the public consciousness when something goes wrong. So when the trains have broken down or engineering works have overrun or something like that, people, you know, you just hear engineering in a negative way. But actually, engineering is absolutely everywhere around us. You know, we're talking today using a mobile phone to record, and that is engineering. Engineering is at the very heart of um, our lives. And people don't think about engineering in kind of the retail sector or engineering in the medical sector or engineering in our everyday lives. And so actually it's my job and um, organisations like mine to kind of get the public to see how engineering you know, really impacts on their daily lives. You don't think about um, the food arriving in the supermarket shelves as you know, being delivered by engineers, but actually it's engineers who are working out the most cost-effective, environmentally efficient, time-efficient way to get goods from, a, from warehouses to the, to the stores on a daily basis. And I suppose that raises the final question I have, which is about sustainability. Yeah. Do you think that, again, we've gone from, are we still in a throwaway society, or are we trying to shift... Are we using the capabilities of engineering with new materials, with new processes, logistics, all those kind of things, to, to be more sustainable going forward? Um, I think we still are in a, uh, in a throwaway society. I think there's a, still a quite a significant culture change that needs to happen. But I also think that we, um, we need to be a bit more careful about kind of knee-jerk reactions to things like um, plastic waste. And in fact, we discussed during the judging um, you know, that there's a kind of a, a very binary um, discourse at the moment. Plastics are bad, um, organic cotton bags are good. When actually, when you take a life cycle analysis, it turns out that organic cotton tote bags are really bad for the environment because of the energy uh, to use them. Um, plastics are really good and we need them for so many different things. They, there is a particular problem with getting rid of them and we need to think about better ways and we will we will engineer solutions to recycle them and reuse them more effectively. Um, but there's also a culture change around things like fast fashion and things like that. And so yes, the public and engineers and government and policymakers will all need to work together um, to kind of address this in the next 10 to 20 years for sure. Gone are the days of it just being Tesla as the only choice when it comes to going electric. Whether it's Jaguar, Audi, Nissan, Kia or someone else entirely, there is plenty of choice for those keen to ditch diesel and go all in on electric. But with so much choice, what's the best one to go for? Pocketlin editor Chris Hall has pretty much driven all the electric cars available in the UK to date and is here to tell us his top three. So Chris, what's on the shortlist? Well, you mentioned Tesla at the opener there, and I think it would be unfair not to start by talking about Tesla. Um, they have a number of models on the road, but the one that uh, everything seems to have been leading up to is the Tesla Model 3. And that is the car that Elon Musk said was going to be the affordable one that would get everybody in an electric car. Um, it's taken a while to get there, and there is a huge waiting list if you want, but they are now available across the US and across Europe and, and other areas. Um, and this, for me, is really one of the one of the best electric cars out there. There's a number of things that play to that. A big thing is that it has a Tesla badge on it. And whether you believe the hype or whether you don't believe the hype, there's no denying that Tesla has done a massive amount for electric cars, it's synonymous with electric cars. And the people driving Teslas are very, very happy that they are driving a Tesla car. Okay, so we've done the Tesla. I presume you're talking Model 3 is probably the best yeah, option I think, here to go yeah, for. Yeah, I think Model 3 makes the most sense. It's um, just because of the, the price and all of the all of the lessons that have been learned through the Tesla Model S have sort of 
led up to the Model 3. Um, there are a number of different options, but if you go for the the standard one, at the moment, that has a range of about 260 miles and it will cost you about £36,000. But Tesla likes to change its models very, very frequently. So the prices fluctuate a lot and sometimes the features change as well. Yeah, and I remember actually in, I think there was a sort of a hurricane warning in Florida and suddenly everybody got an extra suddenly got an extra 50 miles range just so they can get out of, out of Dodge. And then the hurricane warning finished. And so the software update meant that it all went back to where they were normally at. So, you know, there's so something to bear in mind. So if you haven't gone Tesla, you, you, you like the idea of Tesla, but you want something maybe a bit more German or a bit more Japanese or a bit more traditional than what you'd expect from a regular car, what options are you going to go for? Well, let's say let's go a little bit more Korean because one of the movers and shakers is uh, Hyundai and, and Kia. This group between them has some fantastic cars and they've really done a lot in the past few years to raise their profile in, in the UK and across Europe. And one of my top picks is definitely the Kia e-Nero. I'm really impressed with how Kia has managed to put this car together. From the outside, it looks like a crossover so it's almost an SUV, but not quite as big. And some might say that it's not the most exciting to look at, but it just makes sense in so many other areas. Um, the when In the UK, they're only selling the, the long range version. And so that means that you'll get nearly 300 miles out of it. And that's just not the number that they put on paper. This is how much you'll actually get with careful driving. And by careful, I mean fairly normal driving. <laughs> you will get those really long ranges. And that means... You don't have to worry about the range anxiety or any of that other stuff. You don't have to worry so much that the charging infrastructure in the UK isn't the best because for a lot of the journeys that you're going to make, this car will cover you fairly easily. Um, the one thing that I would say in addition to that is that this is also the cheapest of these longer range models that are available. So if you can com compare this to the Tesla, it's about £4,000 less. Um, and that makes a difference, if, especially if you're you know, going out and buying it yourself. So this is a really tough call because I know that there are lots of other great electric cars out there, but you've got one left, one last spot to pick. What are you going to choose? Um, I'm going to cop out a little bit and mention a whole range of different oh. things here. <laughs> Just to be a little bit cheeky, because I think that there, there have been some great cars announced in the last year. And... The likes of the Jaguar I-Pace and the Audi e-tron are absolutely fantastic cars, but they are very, very different to the other two cars that I've mentioned today. And I don't want to make people dismiss those. If you're looking for a premium SUV and you have a lot of money, then those are definitely worth considering. But I'm going to go back to the other end and stick to this price bracket. And I'm going to say the Nissan Leaf. And I'm going to say specifically the Nissan Leaf E Plus is interesting because that's the model that has the larger battery in it. And that's the model that has the range that can compete with the Tesla Model 3 and the Kia E Nero that we've already mentioned. If you don't go for the extended range version, then you're back down to something like 150 usable miles, which isn't bad, but... Everything, you know, when you're buying an electric car, range is a big consideration for a lot of people. And if you want that mileage in the Nissan Leaf, you will have to pay quite a bit extra to get to it. Well, there we go. So there is now lots of choice. And I think that's the, the key message here I'm, I'm taking away from, from what you're saying. So there's lots of choice for electric cars, and they're not all 70, 80, 90,000 pounds plus. I mean, let's just go crazy. How, if you were, had money was no object, 
how 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 much can you pay for an electric car? If money is no object, you could pay two million pounds. Wow! Um, <laughs> so, what do you get for two million? For two million pounds, you would be able to get the newly announced Lotus hypercar called the Vige. Ivage. I don't know if I'm saying that properly. They probably don't know how to say it either. <laughs> or the Type 130, which is a lot easier to say. Um, and this is the latest and greatest electric car. They want it to be the best thing on the road. And when they when they say they want this to be the best thing, there's cars like the, the forthcoming Tesla Roadster that they want to take on. And there's forthcoming cars like the Porsche Taycan. And they want to make sure that you're left in no doubt that Lotus has the best electric car. There is a bit of a downside, of course, that if you want one, the deposit will be £250,000. Ah. And if I had that spare money, I'd probably buy another house, I think. Cheap, cheap, at, cheap at twice the price. <laughs> well, thank you very much for walking us through it. Well, until next Friday, that's it for this week's show. If you want to find out more about the James Dyson Awards, you can go to jamesdysonawards.org and the winners will be announced in September. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. If you have, then please give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform you're listening to. It really will help. Until next time, pip pip. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.